to be here with you all today. The joy is mine, the pleasure is mine. Let me uh, get this situated going, and while I'm doing that, if we can put the first slide up. Yeah, that is my family. And uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I'm wearing the exact same shirts. Just so you guys know it's real, that it's not Photoshop, that that is really me. <laughs> I did marry this beautiful, beautiful woman, and, and that is my son over there, Jedediah Jerry. I love that boy. And I love what you shared, brother, that when the baby is just born, it's just something inside of you is just filled and sparked with joy. And that's how the, the Lord sees us when we're born again. That was beautiful, the way you articulated that. And it's so beautiful. And just let me talk a little bit about who I am for those that don't know me. I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up in Tijuana, Mexico, Baja California. And then uh, when I was 15, I moved to the United States, to California, which is where I met my wife, Monique. I had issues growing up. How many of you guys got issues? No, you guys don't have issues, right? You guys are awesome here, right? <laughs> I had issues with idolatry, anger, abandonment, rejection, sadness, witchcraft, uh, and sexual sin. I was a weed smoker and an avid drinker to cope with life because uh, I didn't know any better I was a fatherless kid growing up I was raised by my grandmother God bless her man she was awesome she instilled a lot of the morals and ethics that I have today it is because of her that she helped me shaped who I am but Jesus did the rest <laughs> amen <laughs> and um, my wife also came from a past of abuse and um, she's not ashamed to have me share that, that she had an eating disorder growing up. But praise God that God snatched us out of that darkness and brought us into the light. Amen. And he has a plan for every single one of us. And that's what I will be talking and speaking of today. So with that being said, God has been so, so, so good to us. He has been so, so faithful. And man... I don't want to get too emotional describing that because then I'll start crying and you'll be like, look at this guy, you know. <laughs> but I am 100% convinced of what this word says about me and what this word says about you. I will give my life for this. And that's why I'm here today to tell you that this is worth it. This life, this life following God, following his word is worth it. So let's start by prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful, wonderful day that you have made today. We honor you, we bless you, and we pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come and interrupt our agenda so that you may speak. Use me, Father, as your mouthpiece on this earth as I proclaim your word. Open the eyes, open the ears, and open the hearts and the spirits to receive this beautiful, beautiful, active, and alive word, Lord. Pray for your Holy Spirit to start doing that right now. To drop all the guards, to stop all those thoughts of what's going to happen after church, but be in the moment right now. And I pray that you will give out a word that will change their life forever. In Jesus' name, amen. So we'll go to the second slide, and I just wanted to bring up a little bit about last week 
If I'm not mistaken, Pastor Jared brought up this verse. Esther 4.14. And uh, I just want to read that last part. And it says, Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Do you guys remember this verse from last week? And it was so interesting to me. Because growing up, I used to ask this question a lot as a kid. Like, Lord, why was I born over here with this family why why did my dad leave and i would have all these questions why couldn't i have been born in i don't know south africa or china or the middle east or in europe or wherever right and i would always ask this question as a kid it was just something i would always ask i was a very very questioning kid <laughs> but you'll you'll see i guess and i will too <laughs> but think about it like this i could have been born during the days of the Roman Empire, 27 B.C. to maybe 476 D.C. I could have actually seen maybe Jesus walking on the earth. What a wonderful sight that would have been. But then again, those were also some of the most troubling times for Christian believers yet. You know, because the Bible does speak of other days that are coming. But we won't get into those today. <laughs> or I could have been born in the early 1900s, you'd see maybe World War I. I could have seen the Great Depression, the Holocaust, Hitler, World War II. A lot of darkness in both of those times. Or maybe some of you or your grandparents or parents lived through those times. You see, events, especially dark times, change people. But if dark times change people, it can be said so of the light, that the light also changes people, and I am living proof today, and so is my wife and a lot of you today. Amen? So let me start with this beautiful, beautiful scripture. And uh, it's Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2. It says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over who? You. And his glory will be seen upon you. So the context of this is this is a passage of prophecy given by God through the prophet Isaiah to speak to the people of Israel that God would bring judgment over them. At this time in history, the people of Israel had allowed sin into their camp or into their people, and it had perverted the mission that God had for them as God's people. As you know, Israel was God's chosen people on the earth to represent him as their ambassadors here on earth, and they were failing, and they were failing. I remember when I was failing God, <laughs> and sometimes I would fall over and over, and I would be ashamed to even say that I was an ambassador of God, but God has grace. God has grace, and he would send people like Isaiah to knock some sense into these knuckleheads again, right? <laughs> I'm not saying I'm doing that, but Isaiah, in this case, had the gift of prophesying and hearing from God to speak to his people that they were going to be led away into captivity by the Assyrian armies. And of course, they didn't listen. And of course, it did happen. And Isaiah was alive during those days where during, bef uh, before, during, and after the Assyrian exile or captivity. Not only did Isaiah speak to them that they were going to be captive by the Assyrian armies, but he also told them about the eventual captivity in Babylon, which was 
far, far worse. It was a very, very dark time. As you can see, Isaiah is telling him, Behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. Some might even argue that today's time is maybe even darker, simply because of the technology that we have available in the palm of our hands and the things we can purchase and the things we can see, the things we can do, especially in the dark web. I don't know if you guys have seen the, the movie The Sound of Freedom. It brings a lot of revelation of where we are and how the enemy is active. The darkness is active. But then God shows us through this passage that there is always hope, that there is always a light. See, we cannot manufacture light as humans. We can't go into a dark room. Just picture this pitch black room. I don't want to turn off all these lights because it's going to be weird, but just picture yourself in a dark, dark room, right? Can you just go like this and make light happen? Can you just like, I don't know, say something and just make light? No, you can't. You can't manufacture light. That's why it says, but the Lord will arise over you. See, when the Lord comes upon you, there's something that happens inside of you that triggers something supernatural, that you start to become a light in a dark place. And the consequent verses, I didn't put them down, but it says that the people, the nations will come to your light. And that is what Jesus does in our life. He arises over us. And his glory will be seen upon you because it's so easy to say, look what I did. You see what I've done when it was actually the Lord and you're robbing the glory of God when it was actually him who sustained you, who had grace over you, who brought you out of darkness and into the light. Amen. And I'm so thankful for that. And I will always give the glory to God because without him, I don't know where I'd be. I certainly would not be up here speaking to you guys because I was so afraid to even speak to anybody. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so awesome, man, what the Lord does. And like I said, he uses the analogy of light, and we'll be using that analogy a lot today about light. See, sin separates us from God. What does that mean, sin separates us from God? If God is light and you're apart from God, then you're in darkness. That's what that means. And only light can shine in the darkness. So to be apart from God is to be apart from the light. We go to the next slide. 1 John 1, 5, and it says, God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. And then also in John 8, 12, it says, Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So we can all agree that God is light. Jesus is light. And if you didn't know, Jesus is God. And that's the the mystery of the Trinity that we won't really get to explain today, but uh, I'll leave it at that. And I just want to invite you today to be real with yourself. God asked me to be real with myself when I came to him. And he asked me, Irving, are you willing to expose all your darkness to me? I don't care how bad it is. I want you to confess it. I don't care what you've done. I need you to tell me. I don't care where you've been. I just need you to come. Come to me, and I will do the rest. And that's what he's asking you to do. 
Don't be afraid to expose the darkness to a God that already knows the past, present, and the future. Knows how many hairs you have on your very head. And knows exactly how many you lose in the shower. <laughs> so he's actively knowing you. I don't know if some of you realize how many hairs you lost this morning. But he knows. And he's actively counting you. What does that tell us? That he's actively knowing everything about you and keeping up with you that's the kind of god we serve very detailed god and he knows everything you've done he even knows what you're doing and what you're gonna do he's not afraid of excuse my language but he's not afraid of your crap <laughs> he's not he's not he cleans it up for a living <laughs> and he's not afraid to do it you know and i'm sure you won't be afraid to do it right <laughs> you get better at it <laughs> that is the god we serve and his light the promise is that his light will be seen in you i want to read another passage similar to isaiah 60 it's from the prophet jeremiah 29 verse 10 to 14 and just like isaiah jeremiah was a prophet to the nation of israel this time it was about the captivity in Babylon. And it says, For thus says the Lord, in Jeremiah 29, 10 to 14, For thus says the Lord, After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Isn't that awesome that this place is called Hope Center? Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. It's beautiful. And you will seek me, God, and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be fine by you. Listen to this assertive language. It's not I might or... Only on Sundays you will find me. It says, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. What a beautiful, beautiful scripture. And just like Isaiah, I want to point out the context. Jeremiah emphasized God's unchangeable plan for Israel. Plans of peace and not of evil. But listen to how he said it to Israel. Israel was promised freedom from that exile after 70 years. Imagine if God told you, hey, just keep in step with me, but you got to wait 70 years, okay? You're going to endure all this pain, all this suffering, but after 70 years, you'll be free. Be like, what? How can, what? Why, God, why? And you see that pattern in the Bible. Everybody's always asking God, why, why, why? But imagine... Like I said, how hard it was for these people to believe that God had a plan for them. Despite God even telling them a specific date that they can even mark on their calendar. If God told me a specific year that you were going to open this church on this specific day, I don't know if everything I ever did would have happened the way that it did. So God in his mercy also hides certain things from us so that we wouldn't go crazy. That we wouldn't force things. 
But I just try to imagine myself in the shoes of the Israelites because they were slaves. They were in captivity. They were captive. They were forced not only to deny their God, but worship a foreign God that they didn't know nothing about. They were stripped of their culture, stripped of their language, stripped of their knowledge, and I don't know if this is appropriate, but stripped of their manhood. (laughs) They were called eunuchs. Nothing in their life, in their eyes, was going the way that they thought it was going to go. They were in their home, in their safe space, where they go in their couch and they just chill back. And they ask for their wife, hey, wife, can you make me something? You know, that's how it goes, right, babe? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I do the cooking. <laughs> but they were in a safe place and then they were just ripped out in exile. And what exile means is just you're far, far away from your home in a foreign land where everything is unknown. Maybe some of you might be feeling like that. Like if you're in captivity. Like if the enemy, the devil has you like this. And you're trying to grasp for air, but he's holding you underwater. I've been there. It's not fun. So how would I know that God's promise is true? The only way to know is if you read what he says, if you read who he is, if you know his character. I'm here to tell you God is faithful, God is just. And according to the Bible, he does not lie and he keeps his promises. And the next slide, and I want to go to scripture, Numbers 23, verse 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? These questions are almost not to be answered, kind of like, duh, this is who God is. God is bigger than our little finite minds can even fathom. We can not understand his ways. In the way that we think, it's so small compared to God's plan and God's thoughts for you. Let alone God's love for you. You think you love? Man, God's love is exponential of whatever you think love is. And I trust God because he says he's not a man that he should lie. Even if... Man, I should be careful what I say. Even if it costed me 70 years. <laughs> Lord, please don't make it 70 years. <laughs> See, Israel, even though they were stripped of their knowledge, their culture, and everything, they knew the word. Growing up, they were taught the word. And I would even imagine that they would have secret Bible studies of the scriptures and roll out old scrolls that they would hide and just keep reading that scripture and keep standing on those promises because when you're in persecution you'll do anything and everything to preserve your glimmer of hope and some of you may need that glimmer of hope today and that's why we're here if not you wouldn't be here and that glimmer of hope is jesus that's why we sang those songs because we want to worship a god that has a promise and a plan for us so i want to point out three things from that passage of jeremiah 
Next slide is my point number one. God loves you so much, he always has a plan for you. A plan of redemption for your life. It's funny because my wife always relies on the GPS. If I get somewhere two to three times, maybe four times, I, I could already be like, okay, that landmark, then you turn right here, and then you see that sign. I, I got it. I got it, right? I, I don't need to use the GPS after the third or fourth time. But she always has to use it. And even though she has the GPS, she still takes the wrong turn. <laughs> when I'm driving, I tell her, grab the GPS, because I'm like, you know, like my hands are occupied. She's like, okay, okay. And then I'm going like six, 60 or 40 miles an hour. I'm like, Right before, like 10 feet from the right turn that I was, oh, right there. Oh, my goodness. Come on, baby. Give me that phone. <laughs> Guess what that GPS does? It just reroutes. A lot of the times in our life when we're taking that wrong turn, God is so graceful and merciful that he reroutes us. You might not get to your destination in the same ETA, it might be a little longer. You might have to go a little bit further. But you, there's always a plan. And it's tailor-made for you. And it's ever-changing. It is merciful. It, is, it has in mind your crap. <laughs> the darkness, the dark parts of our life. It has that in mind. It says, all right, here we go again. Let me reroute you in his mercy. And the beautiful thing about this life is that the end goal is to spend eternity with him in heaven and we must understand why that's a good thing and earlier we were singing the song that talked about this in slide eight number eight and it's the scripture in revelation 21 and it says and god will wipe away every tear from their eyes there shall be no more death nor sorrow nor crying there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away i don't know if you've dealt with death more than likely you have i assure you every person in this room has cried i assure you every person in this room has encountered sorrow i'm sure that every person has encountered pain whether emotional, spiritual, or physical. But God promised us that these things would pass away in heaven. There's no such thing as this. The new bodies we will receive have no comprehension of what these things are. That's a beautiful, beautiful place just by that verse alone describing heaven. But what about on this side of life? Just like that scripture in Jeremiah says, it's thoughts for you and not of evil. That is God's heart and desire for you in this side of life. And that's a beautiful thing. So how can we achieve that in this side of life? We must have a relationship with God. And what does it mean to have a relationship? Because um, let's say you can know, I don't know, a famous person. Let's say Michael Jordan. Everybody knows who Michael Jordan is? Or Michael Jackson, whoever, right? Whichever Michael. <laughs> Michael Myers, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Whichever famous one you want to say. So you can say, oh yeah, I know that guy. 
You probably go to Google and read about him a little bit, maybe some facts, maybe where he grew up, what high school he went to. But is that a relationship? Can you say you can call him right now and go hang out, go shoot some free throws or play some horse? Or I don't know. You can't, right? You don't know him. You don't have a relationship. See, a relationship requires time invested, maybe even daily, talking face-to-face. That's, that's what a, a, almost like a marriage is. It is, really. You learn your significant other, their likes, their dislikes, what ticks them off, what you, can you say, what don't you want to say, what can you do and what you shouldn't do, what are the boundaries, what do they love, what makes them cry, what makes them laugh. That's what knowing somebody is. Can you say that somebody really, really knows you? Knows these things and more? It's a beautiful thing to be in a relationship, whether it's a significant other or a friend or a family. It's just beautiful. That's what God desires out of you. That's it. He just wants a relationship. He wants to know everything about you, and he's crazy about you. He wants to know everything there is about you. And he wants to invite you into his plan, the plan that he has for you. The creator of heaven and earth wants to have a relationship with you. My wife says I'm boring. (laughs) And I don't disagree, but I don't agree, you know. But hey, man, God wants to have a relationship with me, so I I must have some kind of fun, you know. If he wants to chill with me, man, I don't know. I don't know about you. (laughs) Well, Lord, I pray for wisdom for my wife. (laughs) Revelation, Lord, revelation. (laughs) I'm kidding. I love messing with her. How many of you guys know Jesus just because of what you read about him? And not know him because you meet with him every day. Remember, I said, be real with yourself today. Can you say you have an intimate relationship with him? Or do you just read like you read Google facts about Michael Jordan about him? That's a very deep question. And I invite you guys to really answer that truthfully. Now, when I go to my point number two. And it says, when you begin to walk in God's plan, you will go pray and call upon him, and he will listen to you. Some of you might know already how to pray. Some of you may do it often, maybe not as often, or maybe you've never known how to even start a prayer. And that's okay. God is here to, to um, teach us. And he left us a good roadmap, a model prayer that Jesus gave us to follow and it's in matthew uh, chapter 6 verse 9 through 13 and i'm not saying that this is a word for word repetition but simply a roadmap to follow and we won't go too deep into every single line to study it maybe in another time but i still want to give this verse to you and it says jesus is telling his disciples in this manner therefore pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Something I do want to say about the model prayer is this shows us to come first and acknowledge who God is. Most of the times we come to God and we say, Lord, I need this without first acknowledging who he is, the creator of heaven and earth. That's why it says, hallowed be your name. And then it says, let your will be done, not mine. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's his plan first before my plan because he already knows what we need. He already knows you're hungry. He already knows what you need. And then it starts to asking. And then it seals the prayer, acknowledging who he is again. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, I don't want to say there's a right way or a wrong way to pray, as long as you pray. <laughs> Amen. And that, that's what happens when you have a relationship with God. You begin to seek him. You begin to pray to him. And it says that he will listen to you. And then my last point, point number three. <clears throat> When you seek him, you will find him, but only when you search for God with all your heart. And I want to emphasize that because it comes with the, what's that word? <laughs> Disclaimer, I guess, is the word. You will seek him and you will find him, but only when you search for God with all your heart. So what does it mean to search God with all your heart? To me, that means when you search for him, 100%. When you do anything, 100%. And it's it. There's a pattern in the Bible of who Jesus healed. And it was always desperate people. The woman with the hemorrhage would say, if I could just touch the garment, I will be healed. The paralytic, he said, just drop me from that roof. I need to get to him. Desperate people. Zacchaeus went on top of the tree even though he was like four feet tall. Ah, Jesus, please come to my house. He was desperate. People were desperate. Are you desperate for Jesus? Is he leading your life? Is he your Lord? Lord just means master controller. Does he, is he the Lord of your life? Is he, does he control your life? Is he the master of your life? Or is he just a part of your life? Oh, yeah, you want to come to my life? Here's, here's my life. This is what I do. You can take a seat right there. It's search God with all your heart. You must be desperate. Desperate for healing, desperate for breakthrough, desperate for freedom. All these people had one thing in common. They had come to the end of themselves and they humbled themselves and said, I need God. I need him. He is my answer. I need him. That's why it says it's hard for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven because he already thinks he is in heaven. But blessed are the brokenhearted and the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom. See, part of my testimony was that I was spiritually desperate. And I'll share a little bit, not the condensed version. I used to be terrorized by what I call spiritual entities due to poor choices in my spiritual journey 
before I even met Christ. I tried different ways to seek a higher power, and it involved some sort of witchcraft. And I did it out of negligence. I didn't know what I was doing. To the point where I had something called sleep paralysis. I don't know if any of you have ever encountered that before in your life. Anybody? Sleep paralysis? It's not fun. It's not fun. And the way I could describe it is anytime I would go to sleep, I would hear a ringing in my ears, and then my body would just shut down, and I couldn't move. And I wanted to scream, but my voice was like switched off or something, and it was so terrorizing. And, and it was just, it was surrounded by total fear. And sometimes I even hold this back, but um, the Lord is asking me to share this, that I would hear some sort of voices and screams while I was in sleep paralysis. It was very, very scary. And one time I thought it was going to be it. I thought these things are going to end my life for some reason. That's what at least I felt in my spirit, in my heart. And I just remember being desperate. I said, at that time I wasn't a believer in God. I was literally an atheist. I, I didn't even want to give the God of the Bible a chance. And I I just remember the only thing I could think of in my mind was, God, help me. Please help me. God, if you're real, help me. And I just remember it instantly like a miracle. It just broke through. And I just remember <gasps> just gasping for air and standing there in awe of what just happened. Was it a dream? Was it reality? Did God really just do that? I remember like it was yesterday. And I just remember standing there. Well, not standing, but being there and just trying to ponder what just happened. But then I realized, like, wow, in my desperation, God helped me. In your desperation, God will help you. If you call out to him, if you seek him, you will find him. If you search for him with all your heart. God loves you so much. He gave himself, all of himself, for you because he loves you. He desires to be wanted and loved back by you. The beauty of it is that he gave you the choice to walk with him. So I don't know if today is the first time you hear the word of God or if you've heard it plenty of times, maybe. But I want to give you a chance to accept this loving God into your life. Or maybe if you've doubted him, to rededicate your life to this loving God that has a plan for you. Despite you being in a dark place, even if that's you, he is equipped to handle anything and everything. He's not afraid. He's not afraid to get in the trenches. He's not afraid to get in there. He's not. He can handle anything. And I'll end with the probably the most, arguably the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16. Beautiful, beautiful verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come. Thank God that he even made a way. He didn't have to, but he did. The light has come into the world. But men love darkness rather than the light. 
because their deeds were evil. If I gave you a million dollars today, would you take it? Yeah, right? That, that sounds like a good deal. What if I told you as soon as you received it, you would die on the spot? See that? So then that means your life is worth more than a million dollars. How much more is it valuable that Jesus sent his only son to die for you? You're worth even more than that. You think Jesus is worth a million dollars? He's worth more than that. That's how much you're worth. That's the price he was willing to pay. For you, every single one of you, you just said, I don't want those million dollars because my life is more valuable than that. How much more God's saying, I will give up my life for you. You didn't even want to give up your life, but he said, I'm going to give it for somebody who I don't even know because he he died 2,000 years ago, but he still had you in mind. That's the kind of love. And my last slide, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man. It's beautiful. See, sin separated us from God, but he has a plan and redemption for your life. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. When you go to a job and you get a check, that is your wage. That is what you deserve for your work. When you sin in this life, you deserve death. That is what you deserve for your work. Here's your check. In eternity, you will pay with your life. You will not enter heaven. You will enter hell. You are condemned. But in a courtroom of law, it requires somebody innocent to pay your bail so that you can go free. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He said, his wages are death. I will pay for it. That's what the cross means. If you did not know that, that should be a revelation for you right there. That's what the cross means. He paid your fine so that you can enter heaven. If that's not something to cheer about, I don't know what is, man. Praise God. Can we give him a give him a clap offering? Man, God is so good. God is amazing. God is just so good. So when you stand on that judgment day in the eyes of the judge, whether he's saying heaven or hell, he's going to see only Jesus. Not you, only Jesus. The blood of Jesus that was paid for you, you're paid, you can go. You're free. Enter heaven. That's what God sees. Not because of your good works. If you're trying to get to heaven because of your good works, because you are a good person, that'd be like flying off, jumping off of a plane and trying to fly, flapping your hands. Instead, put on the parachute, Trust that parachute. Trust Jesus like you would trust a parachute jumping off 10,000 feet off in the air. See, my, my spiritual dad just shared with me that whether you believe this or not, it doesn't matter. Whether you believe gravity affects you, it doesn't matter. I still come down to the earth. Gravity still affects me. Whether I say, I don't believe in gravity. Whether you believe that you go underwater and you're drowned, it doesn't matter whether you believe you can't be drowned. The water will still drown you. Whether you believe or not that God is real or not, it doesn't matter. God still has a law that he's going to judge us all with. And that's his right. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He has the right to. All he wants is a relationship with you. Amen. So we could all stand up.
shake, shake, shake it up, shake it. <laughs> and I want to end with the the verse that I got all the points from Jeremiah twenty nine. And I want you guys to leave with that verse in mind. I want I want you guys to receive it in your heart. Tell God, Lord, I receive this for me. Just the same way you sent Jeremiah to the people of Israel with a promise. I believe you have a similar promise for me. So just right there, you guys can play something spiritual so I can sound more spiritual, please. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. Lord, we praise you. We honor you this morning. Thank you. Thank you for your spirit in this atmosphere. I feel it. You're working in people. As I was speaking, I, I could see you tugging on hearts. That's Only you can do that. I can't. I can't do that. I am not that eloquent. But you can. You're speaking to hearts right now, right at this very second. So if that's you, if you, if you want to give God a chance, give him a chance to elaborate that plan for your life, or maybe reroute like that GPS let him reroute your life. Stop taking the wheel and taking all those wrong turns, but let him, let God reroute your life into his plans. But for that, we need to be humble. We need to be desperate. And out of our mouths, we need to tell him. So if that's you, you can repeat after me or whisper it under your breath if you'd like. Lord Jesus, Forgive me. Forgive me for my poor choices. Forgive me if I've sinned in the past, in the present, and for the unknown sins. I want to dedicate my life to you or rededicate my life to you. And I open my heart to you today. And I receive the plans that you have for me. And I thank you because you are good, you are faithful, and you're not a man that you should lie. But your promises are yes and amen. I receive it. Tell them, I receive it, God. I receive the plan you have for me. And I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Let's give God another, another clap for praise. Thank him. He's so good.